Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and The Preacher. Thank you for joining us this weekend. I'm the preacher, Dave Magira, And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And this is our special pre-election episode. Now, we are not going to tell you who to vote for. If you want that, uh, as I'm sure you know, there are plenty, plenty, plenty of shows out there and media sources that will tell you who to vote for. And you probably have already made up your mind. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, However, uh, we're going to take just one slice of this and just talk about uh, Trump in relation to Israel, Biden in relation to Israel, what continued Trump uh, presidency might mean in terms of Israel and what a Biden presidency might mean in terms of Israel, as, as much as we have a crystal ball to do that. And not just Israel, because Israel does not exist in a vacuum. So these issues will certainly affect other countries and will affect America as well. Dave, the, you know, the first thing I think that needs to be said, and, and again, you know, it's it's hard not to sound partisan when you are uh, doing a show like this. And we obviously have our opinions. Uh, but I think uh, for anybody who's even remotely objective, it, it has to be said that Trump has been a very pro-Israel president. Uh, and more than that, you know, we can get into his accomplishments, but his accomplishments show not only just being pro-Israel, there have been other pro-Israel presidents, but being willing to have a different paradigm, not just look through the same tired old lens that hasn't worked for the last 30 years, but really be willing to shake things up and go in a different direction, even when it's not popular. I agree. Well, as you mentioned, you know, the presidential election happening in just a few days promises to be one of the most consequential elections that I can remember, and it has far-reaching implications for uh, not only Americans, but um, the global nations alike, because all of them are watching to see what's going to happen. As far as the Israelis and the Palestinians are concerned, the differences between President Trump and uh, Vice President Biden couldn't be more stark. I think yeah. one of the the biggest curiosities that's going on right now uh, if you look at the two platforms, uh, as you mentioned, uh, there's no, no, never been a, a more pro-Israel president than Donald Trump. But one of the things that I think that's up for grabs that's a stark contrast, I'll just get us going on this, is uh, two things. One is whether or not Biden would renew the Iran deal, and secondly, going back to a two-state solution. 
Uh, one of the things that I think we've enjoyed talking about in recent weeks, our program on the peace agreement with the United Arab Emirates, we really talked about how there's kind of a blow-by on working to create a two-state solution and just going with whatever agreements they can make that ends up putting pressure on the Palestinians of Israel. So um, that's one of the things that I see as a big contrast and in, in differences if if a Biden presidency should happen. Well, well that, that actually, that's that's definitely a stark contrast. I, I will say, you know, to be completely fair to, to Biden, um, I, at least looking at his record, and for that matter, even Camilla Harris's statements on, um, uh, on, on Israel over the years, I do not see them as going back to the Obama days. You know, Obama was really as hostile to Israel as I think a president we've ever had since Jimmy Carter. And he was, you know, he he was really, it was all about the Palestinians and, and not about Israel at all. And I, I don't see Biden going back to that. I think it would be more uh, the same mindset, say, as Bill Clinton. Now, on the one hand, that's good because it means, you know, we're not going to be facing an overtly hostile president. On the other hand, uh, Biden, what's wrong with that is is the Clinton doctrine and what is really the Biden and Harris doctrine is just, as you said, this two-state solution paradigm. There's a wonderful video, uh, just like a one-minute video has been running around social media and it shows John Kerry, who was Obama's secretary of state, and he labored mightily for a two-state solution. And the Palestinians would never even leave their office. They wouldn't even sit down and talk after all that. And this video, it shows Kerry at some, some uh, conference in Israel, and he's lecturing the Palestinians. And he's saying, this is, I think, from 2000, I want to say 2016, 2015. And he's saying very, very confidently and authoritatively, look, I've heard uh, Israeli politicians talk about, hey, maybe we'll make friends with some of the other Arab states first if the Palestinians don't want to come to the table. And then he says, no, absolutely not. You need to get that out of your head. It is never going to happen. There is never going to be a situation where other Arab states do anything without first solving the Palestinian conflict. And he was so sure of that. And that has been the conventional wisdom for 30 years. And that's going back to this two-state solution idea. What Trump did was completely turn that on its head and say, hey, the Palestinians don't want to come to the table. Fine. Let's start talking to these other countries, these countries that are a little fearful of Iran, these countries that actually have something to gain by being uh, in relationship with Israel. And that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, this is an interesting piece. When you take a look at what's happened during the Trump administration, uh, it's as though Trump has upended one sacred pillar of international diplomacy after another. Um, he has really moved way beyond this two-state solution. Um, and Biden has already said, you know, that if if he is elected, he, he's pledged to reverse uh, the most destructive of these policies that he believes Trump has, has done, uh, ultimately to damage. And some of those things, as you know, is he, he made no bones about moving the, the, the embassy to the capital city, Jerusalem. Yeah. He has made no bones about uh, Israel having sovereignty over the Golan Heights as well as Judea-Samaria. Uh, he has been 
very vocal about we're not going to mess around with land for peace conversation anymore. He's confronted the United Nations and withheld money that typically would go to the Palestinians uh, because they they will not cease swaying the education of the children on up of their of the Palestinian people in hatred towards the Jews. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on. And then, of course, the Taylor Force Act. So one of these things that I think uh, has backed Biden into a bit of a corner is what exactly he will do, because he's he he's very vocal about, I'm not going to just rubber stamp everything that Donald Trump has done. Right. So I think that there, there are exactly, as you said, I think there's some ways in which the train has left the station under Trump and he can't turn back the clock. When it comes to this really transformed Middle East with the United Arab Emirates and Israel now in this uh, growing partnership, and we're already seeing uh, economic collaborations, it's really pretty amazing. And Bahrain, and now a, a peace treaty with Sudan, which nobody ever would have thought possible. And the Saudis really are not far behind. I think he will try to do the two-state solution thing, but I think, frankly, he's going to have his hands full with so many issues in America. I don't think it's going to be a priority for a while. And the truth is, just as in the last 30 years of this, it's not going to go anywhere. I think what it will do is slow down the process of, for example, crafting the partnership with the Saudis. But it's not going to stop it because that, that train has already left the station. Yeah. I think the embassy also, uh, that's an area where I actually don't look at Trump as being radical because Congress approved, uh, actually mandated, moving the embassy to Jerusalem back in 1995. But there was a little loophole in the law that allowed the president to postpone it for six months. And every president kept postponing it for six months successively ad infinitum. And all Trump did was he didn't sign uh, that postponement. He let the law uh, go into effect. I, Biden, to my knowledge, hasn't made huge noises about moving the embassy back, but I'm not sure he even legally could because it's not an executive order. It's actually an act of Congress. The area, maybe this is where we should really talk about, the area that's of greatest concern and frankly of greatest concern to the world because whether the embassies in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem isn't going to impact America too much or Europe too much, but the issue that will impact the rest of the world, not only Israel, is Iran. And yes. that's where I see him, Biden, uh, potentially doing some real damage. Yeah, it's very interesting. Thinking about this issue, I don't think he will... Uh, move the embassy, but one of the things he has said is he will open the American consulate in East Jerusalem, uh, meaning right. that he wants to make uh, more meaning access. Meaning for the Palestinians. Exactly. <laughs> the other thing is that he uh, wants to re-engage the Palestinians in conversation on some of these uh, big issues that are going on. And I also think that Biden, as you've mentioned, has has basically said he's going to return to the 2015 agreement if Iran will come into compliance with its limits then he would work to negotiate uh, a long-term more stringent constraints on Iran's efforts to have nuclear capability but he is very adamant about the fact that he's open to have conversation with Iran and to really take a good hard look at re-engaging in this Iran deal. So he, he's not made much bones about that. And I think that's an absolute huge uh, concern 
because as you just mentioned, this UAE peace deal is actually huge. I mean, it is huge, and it's it's impacting the other members of the Arab League. So you've got the Saudis, and then you've got 17 other members of the Arab League that still don't have diplomatic relationships with the Israelis. But the Trump administration is endeavoring to seal the deal with a number of those, as you've already mentioned, uh, some of those, uh, to try to bring them on board. And there seems to be more of a domino effect that's happening. Well, you can't, what's driving that is this Iran issue. So, yes. Go ahead. No, I was just to say, I mean, in that way, and it's sort of ironic, Obama, in an ironic sort of way, actually did help foster this whole normalization in that what originally drove it, I don't think it's just about Iran anymore. I think I think uh, the Emirates now, for example, are seeing all these possibilities of collaboration, at, which makes both countries stronger. But where it started was Obama cozying up to Iran and helping Iran and giving Iran cash payments and removing all the sanctions and all of that. And they're sitting there right next to Iran and getting very, very nervous. And the only country militarily in the region that can stand up to Iran would be Israel. So Obama, in a way, ironically, drove them in that direction, at least initially. Another key player in this whole thing uh, about this peace agreement, which, you know, Harold, you and I, we've we've actually done a couple programs on this. Uh, people can always go to our archives, the teacher, uh, excuse me, teacherinthepreacher.com, teacherinthepreacher.com. You can listen to some of the previous programs that we've done there. But one of the unique things about this particular peace agreement that is still significant, very significant, it has not been it's not been uh, raised as high profile because the media here in America is not supportive of anything that Trump does. But what's interesting is that in the midst of all of this, one of the heavyweights there in the Middle East is Saudi Arabia, and they are being challenged by Turkey for leadership of the Islamic world. And and it has a large conservative constituency that is... Um, is uh, wrestling back and forth with the moves that Turkey is making because Turkey is very much uh, open to connection with Iran. And, and, and they're wanting to do everything they can to leverage influence on the Islamic world. It's a very interesting thing because this peace agreement is very warm. I mean, the, the cross-pollinization that's happening between Israel and these other nations is no small thing. You know, anybody who thinks that Israel has had a peace agreement with Egypt or Jordan, it, it, it's been a cold peace. It's not been one like what we're seeing right now. It's been a much colder peace. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, but that that issue, and as you've already mentioned, I don't know that Biden's going to be able to do much with that. However, if he reengages with Iran, I think it's going to have some pretty serious re- repercussions. Yeah, and on a few levels. The, the first, obviously, everyone always talks about, you know, what if Iran gets nuclear weapons? And it's funny, I once heard, uh, this was the director of APAC, uh, American Israel Public Affairs Committee, this is really the Jewish counterpart of Hufai, and 
this was years ago when he was talking about this idea and he said, you know, who has the weapons really matters. He said, there are no Canadians losing sleep tonight over the fact that the United States has nuclear weapons. And it's an important point because it's not just the idea that, oh, Iran's going to get nuclear weapons. It's that this is a totalitarian terrorist regime that has uh, global ambitions and they also have long range missiles. So it's not only that they could hit Israel. Now, Israel actually is in a pretty good position because they have now all kinds of anti-missile shields and so forth. But uh, Europe doesn't have that. And Iran can hit Europe and hit a lot of places. The other thing that Iran can do if the sanctions are lifted and if they have more money available, which goes a lot farther than their missiles, literally worldwide, is terrorism. They are the world's largest sponsor of terrorism. A lot of people don't realize that. They support Hezbollah. They support all kinds of terrorist groups. They're behind a lot of the terrorist incidents that happen around the world. If the sanctions are lifted under Biden, we will see a much less stable, much more unsafe world. And I'm saying that in 2020, when we already have had a lot of things this year that uh, you know make, make people yearn for 2019, but it, it could get a lot worse if Iran has the resources to carry out its uh, its ambitions. So what are you hearing in Israel in regards to a potential Biden presidency? How, how popular is Trump there? What do they think about Biden? And do you hear uh, anything coming out of the Palestinian arena in regards to feelings one way or the other? Yes. So it's, it's a great question. So obviously, Israelis are Israelis, They're except for people like me, which is about uh, 250,000 <laughs> people out of a 9 million plus population. Uh, you know, the rest of them there, maybe they've visited, uh, you know, Manhattan or Disney World or something, but they're, they're Israelis. So they will follow uh, American politics, but not obviously in the way that Americans do. They don't have the same skin in the game. So uh, having said that, they have done some polls of Israelis of, you know, not who would you vote for, since most of them don't vote. They're not American, but uh, you know, who would you want to see as president? And I, I don't remember the exact percentages offhand, but let's just say that if the if the Trump-Biden election were being held in Israel, Trump would be winning a second term by a landslide, uh, a real landslide. Uh, I think it was something like 70% around there, I don't want to quote exactly, that said, yeah, I prefer Trump. And the reason is they see that Trump has been very supportive of Israel, uh, in any number of ways, uh, they understand that the UAE deal, um, you know, obviously Israel wasn't very involved in it. Obviously, there were a lot of factors at play, but a big factor was having a president willing to see things in a different way and take some risks. Uh, and I think they appreciate that. Biden is largely an unknown. And to the extent he's known, they associate him with Obama because he was Obama's vice president. What about the Palestinians? Do you uh, hear that they're nervous over this? I think, look, the Palestinians, we have to distinguish between the, the kind of Palestinian rank and file and the Palestinian leadership. So let's just talk about the Palestinian leadership. They, uh, they, are, they, they do not like Trump at all, and that is a very mild understatement because Trump has uh, really called their bluff. You know, Obama coddled them for eight years and they were able to sit there and do nothing. And Obama, uh, rather, Trump was the one who came along and, and saw them for what they were. 
and said, look, do you want to sit there in your office and not come out? Fine. We, we have other work to do. And he cut funding uh, that they were using to give to terrorists and their families and, and, and many other things. And they don't like the fact that they're actually being called to account and actually being expected to exercise some responsibility because no one's ever done that before with the Palestinians, literally. Uh, so, and they also don't like the fact that all these Arab countries around them now are, are uh, behind their backs, as it were, making peace with Israel. So they would love to see Biden come in because I think they would see it as a return to the Obama years. As I said, I don't think it's going to be completely a return to the Obama years, but it would definitely go more in that direction. Well, I think one of the things that they have felt quite a sting from has been the uh, loss of income. Because not only did, did uh, Trump yes. start withholding aid to the Palestinians until they make the changes in how they educate their people, but there's also been a sharp drop in the international donor aid that um, has impacted them. And there has been this um, stopping of the tax transfers that are collected by Israel on the Palestinians, um, which really has put, I think, uh, according to what I've read, it's put the Palestinians on the brink of bankruptcy. And then this COVID issue has, I think, impacted it even to a greater scale. So I think financially they're they're really, really hurting. the Some of the nations, uh, especially we, we've listened to, to the Palestinians who live in some of the other Middle East countries who are basically saying to the Palestinians of Israel, it's time for you to grow up. You know, we've, we, the, the, the constant feeding of money into you uh, is not accomplishing any change. And you need to understand how we're going to start um, making agreements and entering into agreements uh, with other nations outside of you when it comes to things Israel. I mean, the, these are huge pills for the, Isra the Israeli-Palestinians to, to swallow. And um, I think that they're hoping or thinking that if Joe Biden does get back in, that maybe uh, he will have a heart of compassion uh, that was goes back to the Obama administration and start pumping in more money that that Trump has withheld from them. I, I don't know. I think that's one of the things they're hoping for. And well, Biden has already come out and said he's he's he is planning on restoring aid. I mean, now there's, there's some aid he can't restore because it's by act of Congress with the Taylor Force Act. But he's already said he will restore some of the aid. Now, make no mistake. Uh, the aid that's been given to the Palestinians all these years, the billions upon billions of dollars, it's never gone to help the people with leaders' pockets. But the leaders are upset because it's it's not lining their pockets right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's um, one of the things that Biden has already pledged. He said, you know, I'm, I am going to, to restore some U.S. aid to the Palestinians. And uh, – so they already know that there's going to be something there, and I, I think they're leaning on it. But, you know, Biden Biden um, has not always been a big-hearted guy towards Israel. No, that's uh, definitely true. You know, um, some of our listeners may be fam familiar with back, back when he was a senator in 1982. He threatened to cut off the U.S. aid to Israel. And in this heated ex exchange with uh, Prime Minister Begin, uh, 
Biden, uh, the story goes, beat the table and delivered his threat uh, about potentially withholding aid to Israel. And Begin um, responded very undiplomatically, saying, don't threaten us with cutting off your aid. I am not a Jew with trembling knees. I am a proud Jew with 3,700 years of civilized history. Nobody came to our aid when we were dying in the gas chambers and ovens. Nobody came to our aid when we were striving to create our country. We paid for it. We fought for it. We died for it. We will stand by our principles, and we will defend them. And when necessary, we will die for them again with or without your aid. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a classic moment. And uh, what a lot of people don't know about Menachem Begin, who was Israel's prime minister then, he had originally come from Eastern Europe. He, in his 20s, I think early 20s, was held uh, for, I think, months in a Soviet prison, was interrogated, and he was fearless. He had nerves of steel. The Soviets could not beat him down. They finally released him. They just they couldn't get him to crack. Uh, so Joe Biden certainly wasn't going to get him to crack. And uh, Biden did not know who he was dealing with there. Uh, my concern is I'm not sure he knows who he's dealing with with Iran either, because uh, the, the Iranian leaders are not going to crack so easily. Yeah. It's very interesting times. And I think that there are some stark <clears throat> contrasts between these two men, Trump and Biden. And it is going to have an impact on Israel one way or the other. There's no question, no question whatsoever about that. So it's yeah. going to be very interesting. Uh, I want to encourage our listeners once again to uh, keep the election in prayer and make sure to get out and vote. So, right. Harold, we're just about out of time, but we have enough time to let our listeners know how they can get a hold of us and how they can stand by and support us. Why don't you tell them a little bit about that? So we give you so many options to connect with us, and many of our listeners do, and we respond to uh, every email, every contact we get from listeners. So you can contact us, of course, the old-fashioned way by email, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. Again, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. And again, we read every email. The uh, there's also a contact page on our website, which is without the the just www.teacherandthepreacher.com. You can contact us through there. And while you're there, uh, there's a whole archive. You can listen to any of our previous shows and also see the schedule of what's coming up. And you can go to our Facebook page, The Teacher and the Preacher. You can message us there. And you can also, while you're there, enjoy our fact of the day. Every day we post something interesting that you usually don't find in mainstream media about Israel, about Jewish-Christian relations, about the world that we're living in today. And you always do a great job keeping the people up to speed on that Facebook page. Always fascinating. And, and most of what I post is true, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. That's true. I just want to say as well, for those of you who have uh, gotten acquainted with the teacher and the preacher, uh, we would ask that you'd consider standing by us financially. Why don't you just simply go to our website, teacherandthepreacher.com, uh, and click on the donate button. It's painless, and you can give like you've always wanted to. And uh, right. that will keep Harold and I on the air, and we, we love uh, being able to bring the program to you week after week. But we are 
you know, donor supported, we're listener supported. So thank you so much. And for those of you who are donors, I just want to say again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do to keep the teacher and the preacher on the air. We we have been on now 10 years, and our plan is to just stay right on board and, and continue to bring week after week after week all kinds of different guests and different topics and wonderful interviews. And so I, I, I think one of the things I'd like to do just before we jump off the air, Harold, is to encourage our listeners to keep Israel in their prayers, especially uh, during these days of COVID and all that's going on there. And to just say to you, tell the Israelis to speed up their their vaccine production. We we need that. So Working anyway. on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, until next week, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and our Jewish friends, and may God really bless America. Amen.